Well, good morning. We're in week number five of a five-part series. We've almost got this wrapped up. Let me kind of help you, if you haven't been here with us, to kind of give you the idea of where we have been going with this series. So in our lives, we have things that happen to us. People say things to us. They do things to us. Or we just find ourselves in a circumstance or an event that we just can't control, and it hurts us. We call that event, whatever it is. Let's just say it's event A. So event A happens, whatever it is, Someone said something to you, they did something to you, and immediately you have a feeling about that or about them. Or you have an action or a reaction towards them, and we'll call that C. Whatever we feel about them, what we do, what we say, how we react, how we act about the whole thing. And, and we look to the event, whatever it was, and we say, you make me feel so bad, or you, you make me so mad, you make me so angry. And we look at that person or that event, and we say, you are the cause of these feelings. If you wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't have done this, whatever that is that we did, or whatever it was that we felt. And we link our actions and feelings to that event. That's just the way it works. That's what happens. That's what we do. And now I know you know your ABCs as well as I do. So you know that there's a letter missing. So we're going to pop this up here. This is the letter B. And this stands for something that's in between this process. Because we feel like it's that person that makes us feel something or makes us do something or react or act a certain way. That's the way we think. But that's not the truth. That's not the reality. The reality is that it is all about this letter B. The letter B stands for belief. It's what you believe. It's a belief that you have tucked down inside of your heart that interprets this event or this person and tells you how to feel and it tells you what to do and how to act and how to react to this event. We think that if we could change this person, then we would act different or we would feel differently if we could make the change here. But that's not the truth. The, you can't change them. You can't change the event. You can't change what they did. You can't change any of those things. So if we want to feel differently and act differently and be different, if we don't want this event to determine what our tomorrow is going to be, if we don't want yesterday to determine our tomorrow, if we don't want that to happen, then we have to make a change. And since we cannot change this, the only thing we can do to change our tomorrow is to change our beliefs. Because it is our beliefs every single time that we have tucked deep into our hearts that tell us what to feel about this, what to do about this, what to, how to react to this. It's our beliefs every single time. If you want to change your tomorrow, if you don't want yesterday to define your tomorrow, then you have to change your beliefs. If you don't change your beliefs, if you leave things the way they are right now or the way they always have been, then yesterday will define your tomorrow every single time. That's what this series has been about. And if you have missed any of the weeks of this series, we would encourage you to go listen to those. 
So if we have to change our beliefs in order to change our tomorrows, if we have to change our beliefs so we can change the way we feel, we can change the way we act or the way we react, then week number three we talked about some really intense, tough beliefs that we have tucked down in our hearts. And here's kind of how these beliefs roll. We have a belief that says, I in my life, I am here and I deserve to be happy. I deserve to enjoy my life. I deserve to, you know, to smile more and to have more and to be more. I deserve that. But if something happens and that person gets in our way, maybe they don't give us what we need in order to be happy. Or maybe they don't do what we need done in order for us to be happy. Or maybe they just get in the way of us being happy. Then what happens in that scenario, we get angry with that person. Now, that week number three, we talked about this called the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I encourage you to go back and listen to week number three to kind of understand that process. But here's the short story of this. If I don't get what I want to make me happy, if I don't get that, if I have in my heart the belief that says that life should make me happy, And that's a faulty belief, by the way. We talk about it in week number three. But if I do have that belief and somebody gets in the way of me being happy, I get angry with that person. And I can even get very bitter toward that person because they did not do what I needed them to do to make me happy. Or they did something quite the opposite. Maybe, maybe that person actually did something to me that was not right. And I can get angry with that person. I can get very bitter with that person. Some of the, it's not always just something they didn't give me that I wanted. Sometimes they have actually injured me. Sometimes they, might, they could have stolen something from you. They could have taken something from you. Maybe they took your pride because they've been gossiping about you. Or maybe they've been cheating on you. Or maybe they've been lying to you. And all of those things can cause us to become very angry and cause us to become very bitter. And in the moment when that has happened, when they have done something to us, to injure us, we feel very justified in that moment to be angry towards them. And, and even, even in the long run, maybe holding that anger for a long time, maybe months or maybe years, or we get bitter for months or years, or we resent them for months or years, what actually happens is that we are damaging our hearts. Now, I'm not really talking about your physical heart, although I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. It could hurt your heart physically, but I'm talking about your emotional heart. And if we hang on to that resentment, we're damaging our emotional hearts. Anger, whether it's justified or not, it ends up being this corrosive thing in our life. If left alone, it's corrosive and that anger will begin to destroy. It destroys our compassion for other people around us. Not just talking about the person who has hurt you, but it destroys our compassion for everyone. It begins to destroy our empathy for everyone around us. It begins to crush our love, causing us to become cynical, causing us to become bitter and distrustful of the people around us. We begin to not care about other people's feelings 
And we begin to not care about their well-being because we are so wrapped up about caring about our own well-being. So in a very real way, anger destroys the relationships in our lives. Now, it's kind of ironic because the very thing we need in our lives to become more like God, and we said that in week number one and two, that our goal in life God has for us is for us to become more and more and more like Him a little every day. And if we're going to become more like God, God is love. That is His nature. It's who He is. And for us to become more like God, we have to have His love in our heart. But anger closes us off from God's love. It says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. James is going to put this on the screen for us. It says in verse 20, if someone says, yeah, I, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister... John says that person is a liar. For if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? In a very real way, God is saying anger destroys you and me. When we have anger, it destroys our own happiness and it destroys our own peace. We feel like anger is protecting us and defending us. But the Bible says it's actually just destroying your own happiness and crushing your own peace. And that must be maybe one big reason why God moves us continually in his word toward forgiveness. And you know what? God puts that responsibility on each one of us, not on us waiting for the offender to be sorry. He puts the responsibility on us. Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what it says in verse 13. It actually says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance. Give room for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Not just the person who comes to you and says, I'm sorry. Not just the person who repays you what they have done to hurt you. No, it says... Forgive anyone who offends you. And then it says this, it reminds you, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And then verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. He says, listen, this is the bottom line of the whole thing. He says, listen, he says, it's really about love. If you want to be more like God, more like me, he says, you've got to love. Clothe yourself in this kind of love. He says, forgive everyone, anyone. So, God says we are to forgive. We are to replace our anger and our bitterness with love. That's what he says. He says, if we do this, it kind of brings us all back into relationship with each other, and it brings us back into relationship with God. Now, I know re reading that passage, it can make you feel like God does not know what he's asking you to do. I, I mean, we would say, really, God, I, the damage they have caused me, the damage they have done to me? 
God, I understand that this is probably the best thing to do for the average person out there. But God, you got to admit, the amount of damage I have received, surely I get a pass on this. Surely I get an okay on this because of what they've done. And the reality, the reality is, no. God says, you don't get a pass. No one gets a pass on this. No one gets a doctor's note on this. No one gets excused from the table on this. Because he's telling us that anger slowly kills us, and it turns you and me, if we hold on to that anger, it turns you into the walking dead. It deadens you towards other people in your life. And God says it deadens you towards God. So no, God doesn't overlook my anger. He doesn't overlook my, my unforgiveness because it deadens me. It deadens my heart, my soul toward God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. It says this, If anyone claims, I'm living in the light, but he hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in the darkness. He says in verse 11, skip down a verse again, in verse 11, but anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in the darkness. And he says, such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. In other words, they get so angry, so full of unforgiveness, so angry, he says, that they don't know the next thing to do because they're blinded by all of that anger and all of that hatred. In other words, he's saying, if I have anger in my life that I'm holding on to, he says, I am not a free man. I am a slave to that feeling of anger. And you know what? Anger buried deep in a heart it doesn't just wait there quietly in the corner. It doesn't just kind of hang out there in the corner and allow you to do your thing, and it's just like this anger over here in the corner. No, it doesn't do that. It actually chokes the life out of you. It, it, anger doesn't just sit there passively in the corner. No, it aggressively comes after you, and it chokes your heart off. From God. Anger is aggressive. And God is saying, whatever it is, whatever it is, you can forgive. He's not saying it will be easy, but with God's power, you can do it. And you see, God actually modeled that for us. He showed us how to do it. He did it himself. And he said, you can do it. And it's so important. We see this scene of Jesus teaching his believers, teaching his followers so many things about, about life and, and how, to, how to love people around you, how to live with people around you. And while he's teaching them, he stops and he teaches them how to pray. 
And this is a prayer, not, not all of you memorize this, but many of you memorize this prayer as a child. It's Jesus teaching us how to pray. I, I don't have this on the screen, but maybe if it comes to your memory, say this with me. If it comes to your mind, our Father, which art in heaven, say, say this with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned debted against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We learn this as a child, but wait a minute. What, what did we just say? I mean, what, what exactly did Jesus teach us to say? Let me give you this in another translation. Matthew 6, 12. Just this one verse. Verse 12. And forgive us our what? Sins. Sins. As we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Now we kind of focus on that first phrase. God forgive us of our sins. And then we just kind of drift off through the rest. But what are we saying? Jesus taught us to say that. He said, this is how you need to, to pray. So what are we saying? We're saying, God, forgive me with the very same level of forgiveness I have for him. God, forgive me using the same degree of forgiveness I have used in forgiving her. God, forgive me the very same way I have forgiven other people. God, take my standard that I have used for her and for him and for them. Take that very standard I used and God, use that standard on me. Wow. Do you realize what Jesus is saying? And you know, so often we are reluctant to forgive because we are suffering while they get off scot-free. But God gives us an answer for that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, God says, listen, I'm going to take care of this. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen. I will take care of this. He says it in Romans 12, 19. He says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. He's saying, listen, you, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen. You don't have to worry about getting even. You don't have to worry about punishing them yourself. You don't have to worry about anything, any, anything except, except for forgiving them. God's going to take care of the rest in his time, in his way. We just simply have to trust that he's going to take care of it instead of sitting around waiting for justice to happen. Justice. What a strange and interesting concept. 
We want justice. I mean, when, when we have been hurt, when someone has hurt us or hurt someone we love, we want justice. When they have hurt someone we care about, we want to see justice. When they have hurt me, when they have hurt you, we want justice. But do we want justice all the time? I mean, really? Really do we? I mean, when it comes to ourselves... No, we don't want justice when it comes to ourselves. When it comes to me, when it comes to you, we, we want grace. And when it comes to us, we want mercy for ourselves. Then why are we so eager to see justice served for them? And that attitude, really, it just doesn't make sense. When we remember that he wants us to be like him. And he has so much grace and so much mercy and so much forgiveness. That means that he wants us to give out grace. And he wants us to give out mercy. And he wants us to give out, to give out forgiveness to our enemies and not justice. And he repeats this concept at least nine more times in the Gospels. Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And if that was not clear enough when Jesus was teaching that, the only part of that prayer, that long prayer, the only part that, that Jesus gives us meaning to. And remember, Jesus is speaking to believers, speaking to people who are followers. The only part of that teaching that Jesus explains very clearly and, and, and more thoroughly, the only part of that prayer that he breaks down and that he explains to make it crystal clear is this part, the part about forgiveness. And so he gives us that prayer, and then he says this in Matthew 6, verse 14. He's explaining it, and this is the only part he explains. If you forgive those who sin against you, Jesus says, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now, Jesus seems to be teaching about relationships here and the impact of forgiveness on the relationships around you. And he's saying anger and unforgiveness, it will kill your relationships. And God says, don't murder the relationships in your life over anger. He says, no, forgive them. He says, if you will do this, then God will put that relational impact of what they did or what they said, he will put that behind him. And then he will forgive you. He will keep the relationship you have with God open and flowing and growing. Forgiveness keeps your relationship with God clear. 
it keeps it close and it keeps it flowing. But he's not finished yet. Verse 15. But if you refuse to forgive others, in other words, if you instead call for justice, if you instead call for punishment, I'm going to punish you. If you call for right to be done here to me, and I won't move until you've made it right. If you refuse to forgive them, break off communication with that family member, turn your back on that brother or that sister. If you push them back, stop interaction with them. You do this to your relationship. You break it. You push them away. He says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, he's not talking about your salvation here. Remember, he's talking to believers, people who are Christ followers. They've given their lives to him, which means he holds their salvation. And the Bible says, uh, Jesus says, I have never lost one that the Father has given me. So he's not talking about your salvation. He's speaking to believers who are eternally saved believers who did not earn their salvation by doing good things. They didn't earn their salvation even by forgiving other people. They are eternally saved believers who were given salvation free as a free gift because Jesus died for them and they gave their lives to him. They did nothing to earn it. And Jesus is saying this to them. If you don't forgive that guy, if you don't forgive that girl, and you allow your day-to-day relationship to be broken, your day-to-day communication with them to be broken, if you allow that relationship to shrivel up and to crumble away with your unforgiveness, he says, then God will allow your unforgiveness to shrivel up and crumble away your closeness to God your Father. He will allow your day-by-day relationship, walking and talking, communication, friendship with God to crumble up to where it feels like nothing, like God is distant and not there. Clearly, He's saying your willingness to forgive others and to walk and talk and your walking and talking relationship with God are tied directly together. Your ability to feel close with God is tied directly to your willingness to forgive the people around you. It's tied directly to your sense of of feeling God's leading and leadership in your life. It's tied directly to your forgiveness of other people. You see, God wants to forgive. God died to forgive. But as long as we harbor anger in our hearts towards other people who have hurt us, it shows we're actually full of our self. And as long as we are filled in our life, our hearts with our self, there's no room for God's grace in our life. And God wants to lead you and guide you 
and walk with you through this life, but our closed-off hearts refuse to reach out and love the other people around us, and that shuts God out of leading our lives the way we want Him to. You see, I have to be more concerned about my heart than I am about defending myself against some unfair treatment. I must give this person forgiveness. And they need it just the way I need forgiveness from God. And I need that desperately. You see, Jesus is teaching us this. If we don't forgive someone that has wronged you, if I don't forgive someone that has wronged me, we are just as guilty of violating God's rules as that person is. Because God is very clear about this, our need to forgive others. He's very clear about it. Just as clear as he is to our offender about our offender's need to love us. Both to love and to forgive are God's commands. And for me to hold a grudge and want revenge is just as sinful as the offense they committed to me. Forgiveness. It begins to heal a wounded heart. Forgiveness is that valve that lets off out of my life bitterness and anger and resentment. And if I don't let that out of my life, then it begins to wrap itself around my heart and build scar tissue around my emotional heart, which is shutting me off from God leading my heart because he can't get through everything I've put there. So why allow this history, that junk, why allow it to clutter my heart? Why allow the past to continue ruining my present? Because with forgiveness, with forgiveness I can kind of clean out all of that stuff so that my heart can become clean and my heart can become orderly and my heart can become organized. It becomes a place where God and I can sit comfortably and enjoy a loving relationship. What an amazingly tough teaching this is from Jesus. And he expects us to follow him in this. No passes. No excuses. He expects us to follow him 100%. Wow. You say, Harley, but what, what if we have been wronged? I mean, really wronged. Harley, you don't understand. And I would say, you, you're right. 
Perhaps I don't. But let's pause for a moment and talk. I've invited my friend to join me. This is Amy. She's making her way down. I'm going to make room for her up here to share with us. Okay, it's dark. We're going to do this carefully so no one falls. Are all the legs there? Okay. All right. Very good. Okay. Now, let me get in my seat. All right. This is Amy. This is my friend Amy. Um, I've known Amy for quite a while. We also work together. That's where I got to know you the most. We worked together at the station for a while. So let's visit. I've asked Amy to kind of join us on this discussion because none of us are perfect in this. Amy's not perfect in this either. Amy is in the process of this whole forgiveness thing. If you'll turn this mic down just slightly, this the podium mic for me, just slightly. Um, Amy is not perfect in this either. Amy is learning, but you know what? We can learn from each other. And this morning we've asked Amy to help us because Amy can help us learn. Um, we're going to have on the screen some pictures to help you understand some of Amy's life. And so, Amy, tell us why this topic is so tough for you. What happened? Seven years ago, oh my, goodness. my daughter was tragically killed in a car wreck. And the driver that hit her head on had been drinking and taking pills. And... In the vehicle was also my brother and my nephew. Not only did it take the life of my daughter, but it also took the life of my brother and put my nephew in a wheelchair. Yeah. Now, your nephew lives in northwest Arkansas. Yes. Your daughter and your brother died in that wreck. Um, and to help you guys understand... Uh, on a more personal level, um, as you leave town in Stuttgart, headed towards Umfrey, as really as you turn on the highway there, headed towards Umfrey, that first curve you come to, on the right in that curve, you'll see some roses planted, some flowers planted, some some memorial crosses there. That's the spot. That's there for Amy's daughter and her brother, and that's where they that's where they died um and that was seven years ago now to um to our students in the room this morning seven years seems like yeah well that was a long long time ago but to anyone in here who is a parent or uh, an aunt or an uncle you know seven years is not long at all that was just yesterday and so amy is very fresh in this whole process even though to a student it might sound like seven years ago um, was a long time ago, it's not. This was, this was not long at all. And so um, I saw the results of God working in Amy, and he's not finished through this process yet. He's, I mean, he, he, he walks with us through this. He's, he's, 
He's not dragging Amy through this. This is a slow process, but um, tell our friends maybe how God is in the process of leading you and helping you move toward forgiveness in this. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting by any means. It doesn't mean that you're not going to still feel pain and hurt, but it definitely does release you from the bitterness and the anger and the resentment that can keep you tied down and to keep you in pain more than what it would be. Yeah. God is a God of joy, you know? And, and he can restore that, but it doesn't mean you forget that. And you know, one thing I remembered seeing at the station, because you would have moments where, you know, that anger would kind of come, you know, you, you never let it explode, but there were times it was just obvious that there was extra hurt that day related to this. And, um, but I also saw through that over the course of that week, or even maybe just that day, that forgiveness you would make that choice and it would settle back in your heart and there would be more peace. And I certainly can't say perfect peace because you're on that journey. Um, and, but I would see more peace. So what you, there was a, there was a verse share with us just a snippet of it. You don't have to quote it, but there, there was a verse that you kind of latched onto in this whole process that you're going through. The end of Luke 1, 6 says to forgive and to be forgiven. And even though the cycle is definitely a roller coaster, I know that I serve a just God who says that vengeance is his and not mine. And that to forgive others means that I will be forgiven. I am by no means perfect, and I know that I have offended others as well. And I know that my duty is to love and to serve. And I don't do it perfectly by any means. And some days are more of a struggle than others. You know, um, you're making a choice to forgive and you are having to do that more than once it comes back up and you have to you have to kind of revisit that again and this verse you've kind of taken it and you've placed it in your heart um because we have a belief some of us tucked down in our heart that says i have to get even and i have to repay them for what they've done or they have to repay me for what they've done. We have this belief and God is saying, I I want to replace that belief with grace and mercy and forgiveness. And, and having that verse in your heart is a part of that process of allowing that belief system to change. So you are doing what God has asked you to do. You're in the process of that. And he's using that verse. It's powerful. God's word is powerful to do that because I I want to point out that you're making these choices to learn how to forgive him. And has, has he ever come to you and apologized? No, he has never accepted responsibility that it was his fault. 
he says that, you know, it was just an accident and he's not to blame that he didn't realize what the alcohol and the pills would do and cause him to pass out. And so he's never asked for forgiveness. He's never tried to make amends. And so what I'm saying is Amy is taking seriously the command where it says we are to forgive regardless of their response to us. We're not even to sit around and wait on that response and say, when you do this, then I will. God says, no, forgive. And he says the contrary to that is that anger and that bitterness, if left in here, will shut you off from a growing, a a God-leading-you type relationship. He says, I don't want that. So offer them what I offer them, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And Amy is learning how to do that. We are by no means saying that Amy has completed that journey. She's on that journey. And I just wanted you to hear from one of our own family here of what that journey is like. So let's pause for a moment. I'm going to pray for Amy. And Amy, as I pray for you, I'm going to help you down the stage into your seat. Let's pause for a moment and let's pray for Amy. God, I am so thankful that you are taking what is a horrible tragedy and you are beginning to bring in your way as only you can you are beginning to bring peace into the life of Amy God you are doing the impossible because we cannot find peace Our anger and our resentment does not comfort us. We think it protects us. But God, it actually destroys us. And as you are leading us toward forgiveness, God, you are leading us toward life and freedom. God, we're thankful for Amy's willingness to share part of her journey with us this morning and we ask that you would continue as you encourage her as she follows you this morning we pray for her strength in that journey in the name of Jesus we pray amen forgiveness forgiveness begins it's a step in the process of God healing a wounded heart. Forgiveness is that valve in our life that lets off bitterness and it lets off anger and it lets off resentment. And if not, then that unforgiveness builds a scar tissue around our heart and it won't let him work inside of our hearts. So why, why allow that history, why allow that junk to clutter up my heart and to further scar my heart? Why allow the past to ruin my present? 
Because with forgiveness, God can begin to clean the stuff out of my heart so I can become clean and I can become orderly in my heart. I can become organized, a perfect place where God and I can sit comfortably and enjoy a loving relationship. Forgiveness. So this week, we're asking you, will you select a person, and please do not even let them know, this is not something you talk to them about. Will you select a person, someone who has hurt you, And then will you go into God's Word and find a verse and then memorize that verse? Savor that verse. And if you don't know how to savor that verse, then go to week number two of this series because as you savor that verse, that's where God really digs into your life and begins to change that belief system. So please look at week number two, learn how to savor that verse, and then see what God will do over the next few weeks in your heart. So we're asking this this week. Select a person. Don't talk to them about it. This is not a conversation you have with them. This is you and God. Select a person. Find a verse and memorize it. Then savor that verse. And then see what God's going to do over the next few weeks. Will you do that with us this week? You see, we're asking you to do the impossible. It is not natural for us to forgive. It's not natural for us to have mercy and grace. It's the impossible, but God and His Word, a living and alive, will go into your heart and do the impossible. Will you join us this week? And if you need help as you leave today, we have these cards. We have It's the same card on each end. Just go past your the way you get out there. There's a little bitty box. It's going to slow us down getting out, but just take an extra moment to do that. Pick up one of these cards. There are some verses there. If you can't find one, here's a verse. Here are several verses to choose from that could help you. You may be able to find your own, and that's great. But if not, go ahead and have this card. Have it posted somewhere where you'll see it this week. Will you join us as we do the impossible? And God's word can help us do it. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to do the giving buckets where you put your connection cards. We'll do that in just a moment. But first, let's pray. God, you've commanded us. Instead of us holding on to anger, waiting for justice, having resentment and unforgiveness. God, you said instead of that, you said, no, don't do that, but instead be kind to each other. You said to be tenderhearted toward each other, even those who have hurt us. And then you said, forgive one another just as you, God, Jesus Christ, has forgiven us. And God, 
it seems so impossible because of the pain we have experienced. But God, you can do the impossible because your word is alive, it is living, it is active, and it can move into my heart and divide my false beliefs and replace them with your truth. And God, we need your help for that to happen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.